Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Okay, I am about to jump on a call with Jesse Bragg. Jesse is an agent licensed in our Fort Langley office. He's uh, newer to the business, not brand new, um, but newer. And um, he's actually a he's great conversationalist with a lot of great questions. Um, so I'm looking forward to chatting with him. I'm going to give him a call right now. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys find this conversation beneficial. Here we go. Hey, Andrew. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. You are uh, you are live and you are being recorded, my friend. <laughs> the disclaimer. Yeah. So think think All through right. your words I, carefully. I I won't talk smack about other agents. <laughs> no. I actually need you to keep talking. Tell me a story about what you ate for breakfast because I'm testing your. Uh, I just want to get your audio set right now. Okay. So tell me what's okay. your go-to what breakfast item. Yeah. What's my go-to breakfast item? Uh, it has been gingerbread cookies for the better part of <laughs> a week and a half. Marie makes these um, really big ginger molasses cookies, and they're kind of her once a year type thing. And she made some for me to do Popeyes with. Nice. But she used. She's not sure what she. It was like some some nondescript white floury powder from a jar that they didn't turn out. So. We're not sure if it's like arrowroot flour or hmm. whey powder or something. Whey so powder. We have, we have a we, we have a we have a I guess a set of basically the weird cookies. And since I hate wasting anything, I, uh, I I've been eating them for breakfast. So are we? Is this are we eating a soft cookie or a crispy cookie? What's where are we it's in a, the cookie? It, it's a soft cookie. Mm, that's a to me. That's the only it, kind of cookie to have. I know some people like crispy cookies, but I, I like soft. Uh, I am not. I am not a crispy cookie kind of guy. Yeah. Um, we we did a work. Uh, it was like a work round robin over cookie flavors to try to determine which was the the chief among cookie flavors, and the uh, the winner was the chocolate chip. And I'd have to say that would be my a a reasonably soft chocolate chip cookie is and, and a glass of milk. It doesn't get much better. Huh. Cool. Hey, well, your uh, your audio is good, and before we uh, before we get going on on whatever it is you want to talk about today, I want to give you some credit. You're the you're partially the inspiration behind this little uh, this Christmas podcast that I released. Oh, wow. You and I have had so many you know good conversations in the last mm-hmm. three to four months, where you would call me maybe in a panic over a negotiation, or you'd <laughs> or you'd bounce bounce something off of me, and. Uh, and that's part of what what you know led to this idea to uh, to record a bunch of conversations oh, leading man. into the Christmas yeah, season you. to give people some good material. So um, so you get props for that. Thank you, thank you. Well, I mean that that for me is how I learn best is having somebody tell me how they think it through and 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 what they would say and and I can absorb it and 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 reuse it readily. Whereas you know to just try to read from a book or try to think about it conceptually it, it, it doesn't stick as well got it so you have i think found yourself in some situations in uh in the business here it, through this crazy covid time that have left you feeling i don't want to use the word lost but you've said to me uh that you need some answers and so i don't really want to say more than that i kind of want to just give you the floor and and let you uh you know 
talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's rolling through your mind and what you want to see happen, uh, you know, into your next year of the business? Well, I mean, I, I think that for me, um, it's kind of interesting, the, the thought process around business planning, I, I've spent 12 years in a corporate sales environment where business planning was part of, of your annual fiscal, new fiscal year. Uh, I'm in sales. It's a, a business development role, fairly high targets. And we would have to business plan each year. And I, I hated it. It was the, it was the worst part of my year. And I mean, I was a consistently high performing rep, often in the top one or two or three of numerous reps across North America. And yet I always felt like I had to make up stuff at the beginning of a year hmm. and invent a story of how I was going to be successful over the course of 12 months knowing based on experience, it was never going to play out this way. But I had to develop a probable story that sounded like I knew where I was going to pull this stuff from. That's awesome. When in reality, in reality, I at some point, and I think around about year eight, where I felt like I went from being like the rock star on a Friday to the fiscal year end starts over on Monday and I'm a loser on Monday morning hmm. and I got to start all over again and earn it all over again. And, and I would feel that weight and I had to sit back and tell myself, you know what the reality is in, in, in my world, God has provided so well for us and put things in my hands year in, year out and been extremely successful. So at some point I had to stop and go, you know what? the opportunities will come. I just need to do what I need to do when they, they present themselves. And, and I started to relax, but I would always have to come around to this, this business planning approach and have to come up with something that sounded like I knew what I was doing because I don't know, trust me, God will come through. And by the end of the year, I'll, I'll, I'll be a rock star again. Doesn't cut it with, senior management who are supposed to have the finger of the pulse of their, their sales force. So mm -hmm. here I come into real estate and now I think, what does business planning look like? Oh good. I don't need to do that. And <laughs> to some extent, and then you, and then you call and want to talk about business planning and I'm like, okay, what, you know, what is there to business planning? What does this look like for me? And I was chatting through it with my wife and, you know, not to mention an argument ensued, following trying to trying to talk through this <laughs> but but you know my, my wife's trying to you know tell me how to think about it and I was I was having a really hard time she was we were talking about urgent versus important and you know I've heard the concept I get it but I've previously come at it from a standpoint of admin work is often urgent and busy work but revenue generating is that's important but now I'm in real estate and she's trying to get me to think about this differently. And I'm trying to say, well, but all I've got all these revenue generated opportunities, which ones are, how do I, how do I decipher which ones? And she tried to bring me to a little bit longer term thinking than I've ever had a grid for. Like I've always thought fiscal to fiscal quarter to quarter, what am I do by the end of the year? And she's starting to ask me questions like, what do you want life to look like? And how, what kind of business do you want to have? And I'm just like, that's new to me. 
like, what do you mean? What kind of life do I want? It's always been, I get up, I, I sell a bunch. I try to make as much money as I can before the fiscal year ends and then start over again the next year. But I'm, I'm in something that's different now Hmm. and I need to think about it differently. And it's, it's exciting, but it's also kind of, kind of scary at the same time. Okay, you just said a lot. I want to dissect some of that. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. So, two two things that I want to just I want to say, and then I want to pick your brain on on one of the things you said. So, number one, sounds like you went into the trenches thinking, and your wife went high level philosophical, and the two actually yeah. work really well together, and both are important. Your wife started asking big questions. You know, what kind of business do you want to have? You know, those things, which are all very important. And sounds like, and and knowing you you oftentimes come at me with um, very detailed, in the trenches, how do I frame a question to a client type questions? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, it's strategy, it's technique, it's style, um, all totally crucial to client experience and getting and getting the job done. Um, you, you obviously, so in your previous job, and I don't want to spend, sorry, not that your previous job no. isn't important. I don't want to spend no. a ton of time there, but I just want to make a statement or, or a comment. You, you were successful in what you were doing. So, uh, you clearly had the tasks, um, nailed in terms of the things that were necessary to do throughout the year in order to achieve success. Right. Is that a fair statement? Because you, you achieved success in that, in that role. Yes. Yes. So, so I then only good. Yeah. Well, let me finish this and maybe you want to correct, but I would say you were, so business planning oftentimes for people is think of it, think of somebody on the other side of the desk as you. So you don't have a challenge getting the task done and doing the things that are necessary. And you've shown that already in a, in a previous uh, vocation. Now, maybe real estate, you need to relearn some things or learn some new practices, but you've shown you can do that. Oftentimes business planning for people, what that means to them is putting uh, systems in place so that they do those things that you were proficient at. Um, Because for some people, the high level philosophical thinking is actually easy. They can say, well, I want to have this kind of life. I want to be this type of person. I want my clients to think of me this way. I can envision what I want. But then the opposite of you, when they get, when they get down to the nitty gritty, like what am I going to do on a day-to-day basis to accomplish what I want? That's where they're lost. So their business planning is actually just nailing, nailing that stuff out. Does that make sense, mm-hmm. the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You were going to say something. Do you remember that? Um, no, we might no, be stuck. That's, that's fine. So, yeah, no, so let's, no, we're good. Let's so, keep going. so then let's go, let, let's flip into your, the, the here and now then right now, what are you, what are you looking to in 2021? Where do you feel stuck and what are you wanting to overcome going into the next year? I think that trying to identify what <laughs> some of those which tasks need to come in front of other tasks because lately and thankfully I have had a lot of revenue generating opportunities where I'm actually with clients doing the things that lead to 
a transaction. Um, it's, I mean, I keep hearing about, okay, marketing activities. You can't, you can't let marketing fall by the wayside. And yet I, especially in this market have had a lot on my plate just with the transactions in hand. Some of that is related to the fact that I'm new. So every action takes me longer. I have to think about it more. I have to ask for advice. I, I'm not as proficient with, you know, if I've got four clients on the go that are actively trying to buy or sell right now, that seems like a lot when we're writing different offers and trying to navigate accepted offers and remove subjects and making sure that everybody, I keep all the plates spinning so that nothing falls through the cracks and I don't mess up. Totally. Um, and then to try to add marketing activities on top of that and then prioritize those marketing activities. Uh, it, it feels a little bit like I'm drowning on a standard day. Okay. I want to, that's a great question. I'm going to steal from another agent actually who I happened to interview for this podcast as well. So depending on what order we play them in, the listener may have already heard this or not, but I, okay. I'm going to give you a, so you're talking about marketing. Let's use the language lead generation. Okay. Yes. Cause that's yep. really what as real estate agents, that's what we're doing. We're wanting that's to generate opportunities to make money. And lead generation, right. sometimes people think is like generating leads of people that you don't know. Lead generation can happen and is most effective right within the pool of people you know, your own database. Right. So, but it can be inside or outside. So Jennifer Field, who um, is just, she's got a dialed business strategy and plan, and um, she's very clear on, you know, what she wants and her purpose. She actually, in a conversation with her a few days ago, she used some great language. She said, Andrew... I broke down uh, a 12-month cycle, and I looked at where do sales occur. So if we said 1,000 sales occur in a year, okay, it doesn't matter the number you're using, she yeah. identified for herself, and in different markets this could be different, but that between, in two quarters essentially, so between April and let's say October-ish, um, 70% of the transactions that were going to happen in a 12 month cycle happened in that six or seven month cycle. Okay. okay. So think of that as that, like, that is the harvest. Okay. That, that is your harvest awesome. season. So okay. this individual, Jennifer, who told, who has her lead generation and marketing ideas absolutely dialed based on that knowledge decides for her business. She says to herself, I'm not doing lead generation in that seven month period. I'm only harvesting because that's all I have time for. And all of my lead gen is going to happen in that five, maybe six, could be four and a half, four and a half to six month period where I know statistically there's less sales that occur. I know right. I'm going to have more time. And that's just, I'm going to, I'm going to develop seasons within my year where I kind of ebb and flow. And I know that in those seasons, I might be more rested. Therefore, I could be more creative and I have more mental energy to think through and plan some of these things. So she articulated that to me. And although I, in concept, I had heard that before, she said it in a way where it just clicked in my brain. I said, that's, I thought to myself, that's the best explanation I've heard um, for that. So then to your question now, you went, holy shit, you know, I'm working with four people right now and I can't possibly think about lead gen. I hear that and I go, that makes perfect sense. You shouldn't be thinking about lead gen right now. 
you should be doing sales. And then when the season changes and things calm down, that's when most agents go on vacation. And by on vacation, I don't mean on vacation physically. We all need vacations and breaks. I mean, they don't understand the value of what they can do with their brain in that moment, even though they're not necessarily working with their, you know, the proverbial pen, let's say. They might not be doing deals, but that time is just as valuable. And that's when Jennifer really gets to work on her lead gen. That sounds so encouraging to me because I think one of the things that's really been a struggle for me uh, in my business is my emotional, my, my perception of how well I'm doing. And, you know, here I am in from June 1st till now, I've done, I've had one deal fall apart in the last two days. It basically isn't going to happen. It's already firm, but that's a whole nother thing. So, but I've done nine, nine firm deals since June 1st, which is tremendous, which it, it, from everything I understand that's I'm, I'm doing extremely well for a brand new agent. Okay. That's awesome. And yet I feel like I wake up every morning feeling like I'm behind, like I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that hampers my ability to feel good about my work. And then also to feel like, like this, I don't want to feel this way for a long time. Like, okay, I get it. I'm new. It's a season. But if this is what life looks like, where basically I just will forever, it doesn't matter how much I'm selling. I always feel like I'm dropping the ball somewhere and I don't feel good about, about my performance. That's not, that's not healthy. So the idea of having seasons and giving my permit, myself permission to focus on things, which is what I do well. I tend to throw myself into something for seasons or even batches of like, if, if I'm making calls, I want to keep making calls, but if I'm trying to switch, I'm doing an hour of calls and I'm switching here and then I got to write that email and then I got to check over here and run out the door for a showing. I just end up feeling like I can't catch my breath all day. Mm-hmm. So that that's a huge, super helpful thought process. And that almost like it, like I, I feel better if I, I thought that success could look like that, mm-hmm. could look like season. Yeah. That's what I want. I'll, I'll steal another terminology, which, you know, many of us in the brokerage have probably heard, uh, Ray talk about, um, uh, and maybe the original source is a, is from a book somewhere. I'm not sure, but you know, we, the difference between being, uh, incompetent, uh, or I should say <laughs> there's, there's unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, then there's conscious competence and being an unconsciously competent, meaning like, you know, it's a different scene, um, uh, sorry, unconsciously competent. So that's a mouthful. Uh, it's probably coming through bad, but, but right now you are, yeah. you are barely even consciously competent, right? Like it takes right. everything within you to not screw up the paperwork, get the right clauses in there, you know, not yeah. have something yeah. come out of your mouth. You didn't want to have come out of your mouth. And I mean, I know this cause you know, you've, you and I have talked many times mid negotiation or you're about to do something and you call me like, Hey man, I'm, I'm lost. What do we do here? And then you're thinking I've already this and, stepped in it. What yeah. I and I go, and then yeah. I might go, no, that's bad. Don't do that. Do it this way. And so yeah. you're barely consciously competent, right? Barely. You're not even there yet. What some of this is just byproduct of the fact that, you know, you've done well, nine deals in six months is awesome, but 
you just need more time. You might need 25, 35 transactions to get to a point where now you start to get into a level of competence where switching between tasks and going from, I just wrote a contract to now I'm talking business planning to now I'm looking at a flyer that I'm doing. Oh, now I'm popping by a couple clients' houses to have coffee with them because they moved in six months ago. Moving in and out of these activities becomes second nature because you don't have to think so hard to do them. It's just ingrained mm-hmm. in your brain. You're not at that place yet. And so yeah. you've got to be a little bit gracious with yourself and just know that it's probably going to take 20 to 30 transactions before you start to feel a very different level of comfort than you feel now. Not to mention, yeah. you're an analyzer. You like yeah. the details. You like precision. And so you're probably also even harder on yourself than another personality type would be just sure. by way of who you are, which, which is going to be great. In, in, you know, in the future for your clients, like I think you're going to be a real detail guy, but in the short term, you got to just, you got to understand that about yourself and where you're at and, and yeah. try to try to give yourself a break. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and, and I think just, just on the point of being an, an analyzer, I, I, I've said to, to a few people, I have, I basically have two speeds. I have overthink everything and I have fly by the seat of my pants. And if something, if I either don't have the capacity to really do a, a great job thoroughly breaking it down, analyzing it six ways from Sunday, I, I feel like the only other option is just to move forward, whether I, I have a really good analysis of it or not. And so sometimes it's like, if, if I go into the weeds, I know I'm going to be in there for a long time. So I just don't, I don't go. Right. But anyway. Hmm. So, um, You've enjoyed, I'm just looking through your email here. You wrote me a, a, an email about some things you wanted to, um, to, to talk through and there was something that jumped out and I just want to grab it. Um, something about deals falling apart. Is that triggering something? Mm-hmm. Everything being time uh, sensitive, deals yeah, falling well, I mean, apart. It's, it's that whole, it's that whole urgent versus important. Yeah. And it seems like everything is so time sensitive. It's mm-hmm. everything's got a deadline. Everything is, if I don't, if I don't do that before something moves to the next phase, or if I don't get, gives people enough time to run financing to check, like there's just so many different things that need time to happen in the background mm-hmm. and, and then trying to manage those timelines and not have them obliterate any sort of a schedule or a plan. I mean, that's, you, you mentioned, you know, Ray talking about uh, conscious incompetence and all that, but the other, the other phrase that stuck with me, but kind of scares me, or I don't know how to apply is, you know, real estate is, is won or lost on routines. Mm-hmm. And, and that scares me because I'm not a routine guy. Um, I, I, the, the idea of seasons or cycles seems so much more comfortable to me than the idea that I do this on Monday or I do this on the first half of my Monday. And then the second half of my Monday, I do this because those things seem to get blown up by the, well, suddenly on Monday morning, you've got, you've got this sky is falling thing inside of a transaction Mm -hmm. that now takes precedence over everything else. And I, and so then I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost with the routine. So that's, I think what I mean by 
by you know deals falling apart and just the time sensitive aspect of everything is how do you not how do you manage how do you avoid how that? do you avoid being in that oh shit moment well or or is like do things wait do you do you learn to not get sucked into yeah the sky is falling because i i think the more seasoned agents seem to have a they're less sucked into those things whereas me i'm dropping everything all the time to try to save the day well there's absolutely um an authority that is good, that comes with experience and so the way that authority can play out is I, in a negotiation imagine imagine a buyer and a seller and a couple agents involved not all the time but a lot of the time the the most seasoned individual and more often the most seasoned agent not always could be the most seasoned buyer or seller but the most seasoned agent has the ability to dictate the speed and pace and feel of the entire transaction and so um you know i remember earlier years in my career feeling some of the things you're talking about and i felt like i was just at the whim of whatever was going on in the transaction and to some degree, I was because I didn't have control. I was operating more out of fear than I was out of confidence. And if there was somebody else who was more senior to me in the conversation, then they kind of controlled everything. The speed at which paperwork went back and forth. All of a sudden, if they had a problem, then that problem was mine. And so as you mature and, and become more seasoned and get more experience and gain more confidence, I think some of that will back off um, because... Everyone will look at you differently and listen to you differently, and and you'll listen to yourself differently as well. Um, one of the ways, though, a practical way that you can avoid, uh, you know, falling victim to the moment of of any negotiation or transaction, is using systems and checklists. So there is a flow that every transaction has, whether you're dealing with a, a listing or a buyer. And what I mean by flow is there's a series of things that happened repeated, re repeatedly every single transaction in exactly the same order. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of problems come from situations where agents don't have those things clearly defined in a repeatable way. And so uh, you can get through a lot of transactions with no hiccups without, without a list or, or a process. But the moment there's a hiccup or, there's a, or the moment there's something unexpected, uh, it's really important to be able to fall back and lean on something or reference something, right? Go back into your into your into the history of your email or whatever checklist you have and say, did I do that or did I not do that? Uh, or it's valuable for anticipation. So, you know, if you've got the system that you look to on every transaction and, you know, you've ticked the first four items as you're processing your deal, um, pretty soon you you become, again, unconsciously competent, and you know that like item eight on that list, whatever that might be, given the certain circumstances, might be something that you want to jump on now. But if you didn't have this itemized in some type of checklist or, or system, then that's not going to be top of mind. And, and what that kind of thing enables you to do is just be ahead of the game. And as long as you're ahead of what's going on in the transaction, I think you're less likely to land in those oh shit moments where yeah. you know you're 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 ending up where you're talking about where all of a sudden you're just reacting and you're the victim to the situation. Yep. And I think that I'm starting to 
oh, I have, I have learned some things in the process because we've hit that oh shit moment and, and been able to look back and go, okay, now the next time I, I come across this, now I'm trying to steer it. I'm, I'm trying to make sure those I'm ahead of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning through mistakes um, or, or, or having not done something that somebody goes, oh yeah, if you'd done this, you, you would have been able to hit that, that off at the pass. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's really wise advice. And I think that gives me good perspective. Like I can look at that, at what I'm finding as my biggest challenge or one of my biggest challenges as an agent right now and go, this is solvable and just, it, it'll, it'll go away as we put systems in place. Mm-hmm. And, and then some of that, some of that sky is falling moments will just disappear because we've, we've naturally dealt with them beforehand. I, I, I should say this, um, not as a, not as a threat or, or anything or a warning, but there are agents who have been in the business for 15 to 20 years and that is their life. And that is their life yeah. because they never put systems in place. So if you don't create some kind of structure, uh, this business is chaotic for a lot of people and that's unavoidable if you don't become a person who learns to lean on some type of structure. So I think we all eventually have to get there. You're only six months in. So, you know, I think, I think you're, you're certainly not behind by any, by any means, but we've, we, we all need to rely on systems more, uh, not only for our well being, but for the benefit of our clients as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I want to read a part of your email out loud and then have you, um, speak to it a bit because I I thought it was really interesting and and valuable. Um, This is so this is you talking. Uh, I keep hearing about how disloyal clients are. I heard a story of a brother of an agent who wrote an offer with someone else, or I myself have been the person who just happened to be there at the right moment when that client would have called the wife of that guy of his office. As an example, I hear time and again that if you aren't clicking on the client's timeline, they just call someone else. Lead generation is everything in real estate, but what good are leads if you don't convert them? I don't want to work nurturing a lead for a long stretch only to lose them because I don't drop everything when they are ready. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people have felt. So I just want to hear you expand on that a little bit more. Well, I mean, uh, the experience has definitely been timing is so crucial. I have called people on the right day or text them at the right moment that have led to massive paychecks for me. And I, and I look at that situation and go, the, the slimness of that moment, that window that I connected that with that person led to a big part of my success this year. And I can see that on multiple things in just, in just in six months. Now, I, I mean, I look at that as, a lot of them being having experienced really good success in a short period, I attribute that to to just God's provision in in, in my world and in how things have come come about and what I've thought to do in in brief moments. But I also am aware that that people can be fickle, and I had somebody on Sunday morning who texted me out of the blue and said, Hey, can we go see this house? And I'm, I'm booked with somebody else at that time. We couldn't make the window work. Mm-hmm. The, the showing wasn't allowed after a certain time and they weren't available before a certain time. 
And they ended up, you know, it was set up for multiple offers. It was on the top of their budget. I think we navigated through it. And the fact that they just said, you know what, we'll just, we'll just forego it. And, but I wonder if they are going to go away from that situation going, you know what, Jesse's too busy and we need to find an agent who can, who can get, get after it when we need him to. And in this market, that's a, that's a very real concern. And so it's going back to the urgent versus the important. Do, do I drop other things? Obviously not other clients, not other showings that I'm doing for, for somebody who have already booked, but that's where I think that lead generation activity versus selling I'm not sure whether I make people wait and go, I, I need to make my my 10 or 20 phone calls today and those folks are going to have to wait. Or do I forego those phone calls and go show a house? And I think you've answered that a little bit earlier in the concept of it's harvest time. And right now the market is going crazy. And right now it is a competitive market. And um, so maybe now is the time that I don't make the calls, I will take the clients out. But that's the that's the piece that I was trying to get your thoughts on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's a couple different different topics there. Number one, yes, it's harvest time. And, and, and as a very general rule of thumb, if somebody wants to go write an offer or list a home, which is a very clearly a money-making activity, and it gets dollars in the door today, that is a trump card over, you know, making calls or doing Popeyes. Like you, 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 you do need to give priority to the actual thing that in fact, you know, brings money in the door today. Now, I think there's another angle to that question though. And you know, there was someone who had a need, you were already tied up with another client who's equally as important. And then you're wondering, well, what am I to these people? I think that's really the underlying question. Um, you know, are they just going to drop me out of inconvenience because there's somebody that's more convenient that was available that afternoon? And I, I, I do think that's a, that's a bigger, more philosophical question. And I, I would, what I would say to that is that this, this type of situation is why I'm so passionate about, uh, people running businesses that are heavily database driven versus heavily, uh, you know, uh, large marketing slash uh, external lead generation driven. Um, I like to use the word commodity. So in general, uh, when we work with strangers, and when we use what I would call manipulation marketing, and there's a ton of manipulation marketing within the real estate industry, it's when we are trying to trick or convince or coerce people to call us who don't otherwise know us. So this could be like free offers, statements about who we are, we're number one, or, or whatever. They're not calling because they know us, they're calling us because we are coercing them into, into calling us. That relationship, you are more likely to be treated like a commodity than in a relationship where somebody either knows, loves, and trusts you because they worked with you or they feel that way about you because someone they know has worked with you. And then when you land yourself in a situation like you're describing this, I think it was, you said it was this past Sunday, people who view you as a commodity 
yeah, they're just going to go somewhere else more convenient. And it's like gasoline, right? If you come to a corner and there's two gas stations and one says a buck 17 a liter and you look across the street, the other one's a buck 21, 99 times out of 100, you're going to turn into the buck 17 a liter because gas is gas. It all performs the same. It doesn't matter. But if you don't view a real estate agent like a commodity and trust and relationship is important, then you are willing to take some level of inconvenience in order to work with the person who you have been told you can, you can love and trust. And so then that Sunday call goes a little bit differently. Number one, you might not even get that Sunday call because maybe those people go, let's not bother Jesse on a Sunday. Let's let him have a day off. But if you do get that Sunday call, it comes with a tone that says, hey, Jesse, you know, we got your name and number from this person and uh, sorry to bother you. We were hoping to get into this home. If you could get back to us, that'd be great. If not, we'll talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend. And, and that is a, that's a massive, <laughs> that's massive, what's, that is a dream. Yeah. And, and if you, there's people who are going to listen to this and there's people who are listening who are like, you know, diehard database people and they're going to be nodding their heads right now going, yep, that is exactly the way it works. And I can tell you, I've, I've run my business both ways. Uh, and hands down, uh, that's a, that's a defining moment in any agent's life when they, when they flip that switch. And, uh, and that's the reason why, you know, you want to be primarily database driven if possible. Yeah. No, that's good. And, and, and I need to get there. Um, you know, I think, you know, I've been, been working with Chris Lucas and doing, calls um you know through through internet leads and and a lot of what i've done this year has come from that or a lot the the majority i think i've done one deal that's come from outside of that yeah um and and so that's the that's the world that i've been living in and so yeah that's that's the stress um i built really great relationships with clients because of it and people that now do love and trust me and would consider me their guy. Um, but they didn't start out that way. Mm -hmm. And I guess being understanding and being okay with the fact that right now, because I'm, I'm fishing in that pond, that's what I've got. And a percentage of those are going to turn into something deeper and more meaningful. But if they go, they go. And I guess being okay with that, I, I, that's the part where I was trying to ask about, do I spend, yeah, do I, do I push off a showing to take more time to do lead generation and try to fit the showing, sure. the showings and stuff around lead generation that should be in my daily schedule? Or do I go and take a showing and go make that happen because that's well, I, and I can tell generated. you unequivocally, not a chance. And here's why: uh, a okay. showing you're standing in front of a real human being that you can touch, and that by and large is more valuable than any generated lead online with whom you have no relationship to this point. Um, so, uh, you know, real life human more valuable than computer human. Now, that's not to undermine at all, you know, lead gen. And, and cause I, you know, I understand when you're new in the business and you don't have this database already, what you need to encounter is opportunity, which is exactly what the lead gen has provided you. 
But the goal should be to utilize that to get your feet wet, gain experiences, gain clients as you as you have done. But then at some point in time, work your way out of that, right? Because because ultimately it would be it'd be great to be in a spot where many other agents are, where they don't need any lead gen because they're so they're so busy with uh, with everything they've got within their own database of people and and everything else they're doing. You know, there's other revenue streams too, right? Professional associations, neighborhood marketing. There's all kinds of things. So um, you've done the right thing to encounter opportunity, and you've had you obviously have the skill to convert those people, and you've turned them into something that they weren't before. Um, but you always, 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 if you can stand in front of a live human being, that is more valuable than anything else. Okay. Good. Thank you. All right, my friend, we hit 40 minutes. I, I talk long and I'm, and I have fun talking to you. Just time. Uh, you, you've got enough time for commercial breaks and, uh, for the words from sponsors and yeah, yeah, that's r- right. r- round out in an hour. No, there's no, there, there's none of that. Maybe, maybe sometime down the road, but, uh, but no, what any, uh, I know you don't oh, have man. big family plans, but what's your, uh, what's your, the, the, the two week of Christmas holiday season going to look like for you? I have no idea. Um, I, yeah. I really don't know. I've got, uh, I've got a couple that I've sold their place and we're trying to find them one and they're going to be homeless in six weeks. So that is my, my top priority right now is making sure they've got someplace to go. Huh. Um, and I don't know if that's, that's a whole nother conversation for another, another time, but you know, I'm, I, that's starting to stress me out. Sure. Um, but, but it's, uh, I really don't know. I don't know what even taking a break looks like right now. Mm. Um, cause I've, this is my, this is my first Christmas as a realtor. So I don't know. I don't know what the flow is. I don't know when things drop off. I don't know what to not do uh well what you know i'll say what you're experiencing right now this december uh is not a normal december um you know you you started your career in covid and and what we're going through right now is is unusual so whatever you experience this this december know that it'll likely be different next december next um you know usually one of the great things about this business is you can unplug uh, for a few weeks over the Christmas season, because in a normal December, there's actually not a ton going on. And, you know, people will use that time to recharge and rest and, you know, maybe plan for the next year. Um, but I hear you right now, right now, um, it's, it's gangbuster still and people are buying and selling and, uh, it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting Christmas break. I don't think anybody fully knows what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, so so yeah no big plans yet the house is decorated and obviously we're not going anywhere so it's uh when, when there's downtime i'll i'll thoroughly enjoy it it's it's nice to be going into this christmas with having had some success and it's not like on my first year was a, a just a, a big wet fish and and i'm stressed about you know what the, the future looks like it's um you know i'm i can at least i think if i get some time off feel like i've earned it, mm-hmm. it so Awesome. Yeah. Well, Thank thanks you, for sir. your time today, and uh, we'll we'll Appreciate see it, you again sometime soon. You got it. Thank Take care, sure. man. Yep. Bye. Bye. Okay, there we go. That was Jesse Bragg. Awesome conversationalist. Uh, great questions as always, and uh, hope you guys enjoyed and got something uh, from our time together there. Okay, we will uh, talk to you again soon. Bye for now.